Guten Abend. Abend. Where did you go, Emil? Where did it happen? I'm glad you could make it. Come Jesus. You scared the shit out of me. I'm Mia Gallagher and I played the part of Claire O'Hanlon Stroke Burke in The Wall in the Mind. She's a really interesting character because she's in every episode, but she also goes through all this range of emotion that you don't really get, like with, with female characters, There's, they're usually kind of seen as a sort of help meet or secondary characters. This was like one of those classic female roles like Medea or something. <laughs> Um, where she's in very extreme situations where she's been forced to remember traumatic events from the past. It's always there in the background. She flips from victim to tyrant. What I really enjoyed was her, sort of like her different relationship with power. So at times she's completely vulnerable and exposed and she's back to being that 17-year-old self that was brutalised and traumatised. And there's a real power for an actor to be able to go there and be exposed and be vulnerable is, is really... It's, it sounds kind of perverse, but it's fun to play because like, when do you get a chance as a normal human being in real life? I suppose the pressure to keep a mask on and to be kind of like functioning in society. Vulnerability is not encouraged in our society. So that, that, that was fun. But then she also flips where she, she becomes brutal and she torments and she sort of psychologically tortures. And then there's a lot of stuff about secrets and denial and repression. So that's fun because there's always something else going on under the surface. And yet, in a way, I think Claire is probably the most straightforward character. She just needs to know. She needs to know. She wants to know. She has to know. That's not funny, now. Do I sound like I'm joking? We're just going around in circles, that's all. He's gone, Stuart. Emil disappeared 25 years ago. Then what are we doing here? I needed to know what had happened to him. It always ate at me, but I'd find ways to swallow it back down. Then someone sent me that stupid bloody tape. She's quite brutal sometimes with her husband, but then she's very vulnerable with him. And then he he's quite passive aggressive. So there's again, there's that very true to life dynamic between couples where that push and pull to maintain some sort of balance there's a constant tension in relationships so I think Garrett captured that really well and really accurately and it's sort of that had the ring of truth oh did he there yes he did <laughs> <laughs> he did you did God knows what you would have done if Divenda hadn't happened no answer that's answer enough I suppose I would have been just one more photo in a file just one more body in an unmarked grave. Does being a writer affect how you approach like performing um, and researching characters and stuff? Um, it'll affect how I read the text. So when I read the text, I'm, I'm kind of on the lookout for things that don't make sense from, to me, where I'm going, okay, so why is that happening? Or when I read a text in my head, I don't initially see it. So I'm not, a, say, like a natural dramatist. I wouldn't naturally see it as action. I'm looking at the text and the meaning, sort of looking for logical things, going like, oh, why does that happen there? And why is she doing this? And what's this? You pulled me up on a, on a lot of stuff. I had to do some rewrites. It was more things that I was going, so what's going on? So why, if this is happening, is that happening? Um, so that would be, I suppose, more the writer side. But actually, when it comes to performance, I, 
I suppose the challenge is to really stay in the moment and for me performance is so much about energy so if my energy is at a certain pitch or in a certain place I try to really work with it as opposed to working against it when I learn lines I learn the story of the scene through my dialogue only so I learn my lines only generally there's a logical progression if the scene is well written so in a sense every scene can be a monologue you could get the gist of a scene simply through one character's dialogue if the scene is written strongly enough so that would probably be a mixture of my actor head and my writer head when I'm on set I really try to be as present as I can and available to the other actor and available to any sort of impulses that are coming from myself I really want to be surprised when I'm performing that I find maybe something new I learn it for sense but I know there might be places where when I'm reading it first in my head I might be very moved by um, a piece of dialogue and then sometimes if I'm learning it, I'll, I'll be moved as I'm learning it, as I'm saying it. I couldn't do anything to help. I don't think they were allowed to beat me because I was a foreigner. I'd have preferred that. They made me listen while they hurt my friends. Oh, we should have brought a torch. He never said anything. All those years, he never told me about it. We arrived at a garage. They had these bags over our eyes and they pull them off under the lights. They made us strip while they searched us. Sometimes it's a very clear note, she breaks down. So she's got to break down. But with radio, you know, it's really getting the authentic sound. And once the sound is in the body, it's the sound of a cry or the sound of a of fear. They're physical, they're animal sounds. So that, that was really fun. I mean, just being able to go, okay, what kind of fear, you know, is it like a inhaled breath or is it that where you're like totally, everything is totally tense. So, I mean, I try to work from the body out as a performer rather than from the head down. Say like I might have done a take with, with another actor and we might have gone somewhere really interesting in the take. It can be really hard to try and replicate that because then the head comes in going, oh God, fuck it, I have to replicate. And that was great. And if I do something different. So as I've got older, I've just tried to honour, well, if that's strong enough and if it's an authentic enough drive, it probably will replicate. But if it's fleeting, you just go with what, what's there instead. Do you ever notice, Stuart? You don't age all at once. One day you look in a mirror and you're puffy and ragged and you think, I look ancient. Next day you're back to being yourself. Being challenged to do things in a different way is always good. It's really good. I find physical directions really useful. So like kinesthetic directions, like can you try that um, just, a, just a little bit more delicately or just a little bit more that and a psychological direction like you really want him to stay oh oh that's interesting oh like i really want him to stay right and it's not in the text then then what happens is my front head gets involved with that managing that which means i'm not thinking about what my voice sounds like or am i saying the words properly anything which gets me off the surface awareness and into the deeper psychological awareness is useful having actions to do I find very good. It, it distracts me from thinking too much. Uh, and then technical stuff, like can you come in a bit closer at that point? Like there was one scene where we'd instinctively blocked it a certain way and there was a lot of getting up and moving around and that kind of, that would have been the Abbey or the Peacock, you know, the Pross Arch 
version of it, very doll's house, but we were changing status in terms of who was standing, who was sitting. And then the new blocking actually chopped the scene in two, so it, it went from being fight to some sort of really close, intimate, internal attempt at reconciliation that both the characters, I felt anyway for me, that my character was trying to reconcile, his character was trying to reconcile, we were also trying to reconcile together. And so it just, and the blocking just changed that. Because I always felt, I felt very subconscious about that when we were doing it, because there were lots of things that we just had to, we might have rehearsed it one way, but it just didn't work in terms of the sound in the room. That was interesting, because again, it's like a constraint that I have to work with. It impacts on the playing, and it's kind of out of my hands. Like having the courage to go really, really, really super quiet and places and then that being that actually working just so you know this this between us this never meant a thing i think it's like the job is to work with the constraint and see what the constraint does to the performance and then try to be creative with that as much as possible and that's interesting i don't i don't think that's a bad thing uh, why should people listen to this or what's what's interesting about it what, why, should, why should they tune in first of all it's got a, a killer female protagonist which is rare so you've got a, a female protagonist you've got one of the antagonists is female part of what's driving Claire is, is lost love but it's more than that it's a drive to know it's a drive to uncover the truth which is not typical it's also it's, a, it's about a really interesting time in history it's about it's about political events around self-determination and it's mirrored by this woman's attempt to redefine herself to gain some sort of sovereignty over her, her own psyche it's gripping it's really gripping there's a lot of action there's fights there's guns it's, it's a mystery it'll keep you listening and I think it's different, it's very different, like it's not your kitchen sink radio drama. And you can find out more about The Wall in the Mind and hear the whole series, scene by scene or episode by episode, at garethstack.com. <laughs>